It is the Stranger Nerds here. We have myself, Connor Vandermark, and Tommy Grant also with me as we're doing this episode mono e mono. Um, yeah. As Fuck Mitchell, you, Mitchell and, and Nick. Nick could not make this one. <laughs> um, so as you probably have heard throughout the the series so far from especially Mitchell and Tommy that they have some qualms about this episode and you know we me and Tommy are joking that oh Mitchell got out easy not doing this one um we'll he get into it did. I have some different I have some different thoughts um but I, I will, will I will uh, defend go you into season I will defend you slightly this episode has uh, importance but overall, it sucks and should have been taken out of the season to be dramatic. Um, so this is season two, chapter seven, The Lost Sister. Um, uh, so fun fact with this one, uh, this is the only episode that is directed by Rebecca Thomas. Um, and... Yeah, it was this is the fourth episode written by Justin Doble. Um, yep. So that was the body one, the bathtub, and the polywog. Yep. Uh, and he he wrote so some good this episode weak spot, and we don't see um, him write ever again. So this episode. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. So when when I wrote um, this note in terms of the fourth and final, so I looked at all four seasons of all the writers and directors. This was the first one Rebecca Thomas did, and she never comes back. Justin Doble did four episodes, and this was the last one that he wrote for the show. So I think because of how poorly received this episode was, I don't think they, I don't know if it was just they weren't invited back, or they just didn't get a chance to come back. But it it definitely goes to show it was, it was definitely poorly received by the fan base. In terms of critical reception, I'm not sure how well it did, but it's kind of the uh, it's the less the last Jedi of Stranger Things world, if you can compare it to that. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Um, so this is a unique episode um, from what I can at least recall so far we've seen, where this is an only a one character focused episode. As either we yep. haven't had one yet so far, where we're focusing this... all on. L. But it's it's not a spoiler by any means, but this is the first and only episode of the show so far, like going up through season four, where it's a f- solely focused on one character. I don't know if that's because of how poorly it was received with this attempt to do a solo character episode, but this is the only one they do. But it's also because Eleven was not in the last episode at all, which is the only time. She was not in an episode, was last episode. And clearly that was to make up because they were doing a full episode on her for this one. But it, it just Yeah, definitely. Um It was again, I I wanted I'm actually I will take lead on this episode because the fact that I this is again I thought it was We'll get into the ratings later, but it wasn't a top tier episode. But I thought it was still good. Like it's, I thought there's it, a lot it of, has its a lot of it things just, that occurred. It was important, and they just—I think the execution or the writing 
I don't know what it was, but just it, it to me at least it just wasn't what it could have been. I know what they were attempting to do and you can compare it to a lot of big movies where similar to like Star Wars and Marvel where you have a character kind of go off on their own little side quest, which this definitely was. It was an 11 side quest to find her lost sister who she was convinced that her mom wanted her to find. She finds this person and this person ends up teaching her how to kind of improve her powers. And you can compare that to, you know, Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back, which is a very well-known successful sequel where Luke goes off on a side quest. Yoda teaches him how to use his powers more. And then he ends up abandoning Yoda to go help out his friends, which is what Eleven does at the end of this episode. So it's you kind of get that trope of, you know, main character going on a side quest, learn more about themselves, increase their powers, and then go back to help out their friends. That I think that's what they, what they were um, trying to attempt in this episode. Yeah. Amongst other and things. We'll, we'll get, let's, let's get into it. So yeah. we start out with Eleven, you know, again, talking with, I remember her name was, yeah, her name was Becky, uh, doing yep. the flashback and talking about like the, how it was a, like a continuation circle of these events happening in her mind. Yep. And the thought that we has to go find their lost sister. Um, any relevance on the actual rel- of the kids, the newspaper articles that you, cause I, I see you have it tagged in here. Um, so it was just something since I was watching it for the thousandth time, I was like, I never actually paid attention to what the articles were, but we see that Terry, uh, 11's mom was doing kind of an investigation into Hawkins lab when she was trying to find Jane and Becky was even telling 11, like she was digging into all these missing kids across the country trying to find her. But we kind of see the importance of how big of a reach Hawkins lab had. Cause I think all of these articles were referring to mm-hmm. the special abilities that Hawkins probably kidnapped. And you have one article where it's like Cleveland teen goes missing in Indiana one from Paul Tuckett, a father and daughter go missing. Then you get a baby boy abducted from County Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, that one was interesting because I actually like froze it and like zoomed in on the article. And literally the quote of the article is, a newborn baby boy was reported abducted from a nursery and a nurse was found dead in her home. So it's like, it's very similar to what happened in season one where, you know, they pretty much just killed anyone that got in the way. Like you had Benny get killed yeah. when they were trying to find 11. So it's like, it, it kind of reads the vibe of Hawkins was stealing kids and people were getting caught in the crossfire, like this nurse. And then the last one obviously was a vanished Indian girl missing in London. This was obviously Callie number eight, but what was interesting about that was you have all these kids going missing across the U S but you have one girl who goes missing in international territory. So knowing that she was from Hawkins lab, they were doing shit internationally. It wasn't just a local thing that happened. Like it wasn't just a local experiment with Terry Ives and maybe a couple local people that wanted to get into this experiment. Like they were pulling people all over the world. So that was the importance of why I wrote yeah. down article names because you kind of see like terry no, caught, caught on to how I they like, 
Operation Hawkins was doing. I like that. I'm glad. I'm glad you actually did catch that because that definitely puts things into more context. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Eleven tries to locate Eight, and then finally locates her around a kind of like a a void around a fire, uh, like a kind of like a drum, like you have with a homeless. Yeah, it's your uh, it's your have, stereotypical like, homeless uh, in the middle of the streets kind of dumpster fire type thing. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, then Eleven comes out to tell Becky, and then she, we see her on the phone, who, I to me, I don't know who it was, but probably some connection to her, to Eleven, that is, and at least to me as a, as a listener, someone that Eleven does not trust, um, because she wanted, Eleven wants to keep things relatively low-key, and anyone else knowing, especially with, with Hopper, has driven into her brain of, yep. no, no, no one else... I've, keep things to yourself and having someone else, you know, having Becky call and getting people to know is not a good thing. Yeah. So I want to cut before we go into the, the expedition of 11, since we did not touch that on it last episode, I want to make sure that we do here. Um, and I will reference this later on is there's a scene in, um, with Hopper, where in between um, him, them checking in on Will and then Will getting, I believe, uh, asked about, like, oh, not recognizing Bob. And Hopper's radioing in to Eleven because, you know, doing the Morse code and, like, trying to let her know, like, no, no, I'm sorry I haven't been around. And it was very, no, I wish I saw this earlier from Hopper, no, as a character. Um but like you know, characters definitely have to grow, and you know, this is a storytelling. You no, know, is is a show. But it's nice to see Hopper becoming more vulnerable to L and having a situation where he's no, he's he knows he's screwed up, and actually let her know and say I'm sorry, and genuinely saying I'm sorry, and I don't want to lose you, and you no. Know, from what we saw in the scene, like he was saying this to no one, and like as the viewer, I was like, "Oh, that is just gut wrenching," because the fact that he's letting his his heart out for her, and she's not even there to receive it. So, yeah. uh, and we'll get a little more to that later. But like during that episode, um, during episode six, I was like, "Oh, that is such a like that is a heartfelt but gut wrenching moment when you see that." Yeah, you finally so see Hopper become sh- uh, more of a dad figure, not just a protector figure. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen mm-hmm. Hopper yeah, is so closed is, off you know, on emotions and just wants to be Mr. Tough Guy. And he kind of realized, like, hey, I can't just be her protector. Like, I need to be a father because that's what she needs sometimes, too. And we finally see him open up. And, yeah, it's just I feel so bad for him. Yeah. And probably, um, honestly, probably the situation with Will, too, is also leaning into that factor as well. It's like, oh, this kid might die right now, and yep. I don't know what, where my girl is. Um, so, speaking of the girl, Eleven, uh, taking a bus to Chicago with a awesome background sound of one of, one of Jersey's greats, Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta love it, representing Jersey. Runaway, oh, such a good song. I love Runaway. Um 
And, and if so he goes, he goes to the homeless community. Was running you know, away. Yeah, running away. Yeah, yep. It was again the music choice in this show so far has been top tier. I've been loving it over and over. So she finds out where the the crew we see in the very first episode um, when we first had a visual on Callie. Uh, we found out they're they're where they're hideout in a warehouse, and very interesting scene where the first interaction between the members, uh, where the the one spiky hair member, uh, Axel, he, it's like, oh, how'd you find us? They're they're sketched out. Like, how does Brandon Kid find us, and how does he know there's another girl here, and. Then we start seeing, uh, we see Callie's power for the second time, and we see that she's able to create images within someone else's brain, kind of like an illusion, but just for that one person, um, yeah. or just for the people she chooses to see. It, it's very to similar it. and, to you know, the Scarlet Witch from Marvel. That's mm-hmm. yeah, a good way to put it. So Axel sees spiders all over him. He's arachnophobic, so he freaks out. And then as Callie and Eleven like start talking to each other, they see like, oh, the, they had the same they 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 check tattoos. And yeah. they they go through and like, oh, we actually are from the same place. And they definitely have that, you know, kind of that trauma bonding in a way too, where like they've been to the same experiences. Um but the thing too, we we definitely we, I'll just talk about it now, where we see some of the experiences Callie's went through, um, especially the gentleman who they hunt down later, mm-hmm. uh, where it is very traumatic for her. We don't really – we, we see the, the Elle getting dragged into the, the other room, but we didn't see any interactions when she was younger. We see more recent events of well, – compared to season one, of recent events of season one where, you no, know, their papa, uh, Dr. Brunner – was definitely uh, accosting, I guess would be a good word to put um, yeah. with her. I, I think and, that's a good term. But was it wasn't like the 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 shock stick that she received, like that that eight did, and and definitely not the treatment that her mother went through. But we don't know, we don't really see, at least to my perspective and what I remember, we don't really see actual huge uh violent uh offenses well, to uh, you can 11. also put that maybe because i think 11 was more favorable for brenner because brenner found a use for her eight might not have had an ability that hmm. brenner could have used and so they kind of just they kept them there because they didn't want them out running around so they had to keep them there, and they yeah. were usually probably more the ones that got beat up more because they were just they were an inconvenience at that point. Eleven was the one that Brenner wanted for what he was looking yeah. to do. It was at least from what we wasn't seen. as valuable. At least it wasn't as valuable of an asset. Yeah. Um. So so we have the group. Um. We have Axel, who is the Mohawk man. Dottie, who is the druggie. Uh. We have Mick, who is the spotter. Remember that was the right way to put it and then we yep. have Funshine, who is their front man their fighter um so one thing that i i texted tommy earlier and i think personally that this is very much 
the A-Team Dynamic, which was released in 83, because I did Google that one, because I was wondering when that show was released. And especially with the van they're driving it to, it was very... I was going to say, the van definitely gives it the A-Team kind of vibe. Because you have B.A. Baracus, who is, all you guys know, is Mr. T. He fits that, the front fighter. You have... Oh, crap. I know there. I know there's Face, who I would probably say is Dottie. Um, yeah. No, so no, Dottie would be um, – oh, I'm pulling it up right now just because I can't pull it out. A-team characters because I, I, A-team is something I grew up with as a child because my dad loved the A-team. And I actually watched you the first two seasons of – probably the first – probably even three seasons of the A-team. Yeah, it was Hannibal because I yeah because I love that's Hannibal is probably my next pet's name honestly. Um, Hannibal Africa, uh, Africanus is a well known uh, Carthage general back in the uh, Roman Punic Wars. Uh, so you have Hannibal, you have uh, you have Callan Mad Murdoch. Who was, I yeah, see, Mur- I Murdoch being Murdoch. definitely Dottie. Yeah. Uh, then you have uh, Temple Pekinpek or, or Face, who would probably be, I guess, the spotter in this case. You no, know, the keeping the eyes out, getting getting the information, and then of course, B. A. Baracus would be uh, our wonderful Funshine. fun, Funshine. yeah, Funshine. It's a, such a fun name, though. I like that Funshine. That was I, that was a very clever name for that per, that character. Yeah. So, and like. No, they, they they explain like they hunt down the people who used to hurt them, and uh, so one thing that I want to touch on was: is it a general any anyone who, who hurt this party themselves? They, uh, well, I, they I, are very specific because that was an odd thing that I noticed too when I was rewatching this because eight is the only one from Hawkins' lab. Yes, the rest of the crew are kind of just. You know, as they kind of call themselves, they're outcasts that society has given up on. But I want to know what was their motive behind killing? Because they have no gripe with this, you know, the Hawkins Lab group. And as far as your question is concerned, I think Eight is going off of who she remembers. I don't know if she knows, like, the current staff. So I think no. they're going off of people that worked at the hospital at the time. And I think it's taken them so long to go on all these jobs because they have to do all this research to find them, which is why Eleven was such a key new member for their group because, like, she can find them for us. Mm-hmm. And we can get this done so much faster. And all you need is a photo. Yep. So and that's kind of what they had. That's all they had really was just photos to go off of. And at least to my perspective, like, Kaylee definitely seemed like the or Callie, sorry, Callie seemed to me like the ringleader of the one who is take, calling the shots. Yeah, and Axel definitely put up some resistance when, you know, when we first saw them in episode one, they just came back from a job and they did show a scene from that where she made the illusion that the uh, that the under or underpass that they went through collapsed, and we have this like kind of montage situation where I want to say montage, but you no, know, a scene where Kaylee's showing 11, like, Oh, focus your anger, anger, like kind of the opposite of 
the Star Wars with Luke Yoda, where Anakin's the one who's going to yeah Palpatine Anakin having the show notes. Well, it, no. It's the Sith side. You have you yeah know, the Sith side. Yep. You have basically she's kind of acting like Palpatine, like do it, do it, use her anger. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite literally, through you. That's quite literally what she says. She's like, you know, use your anger, use all those painful emotions and memories you have, and we see it work. So, Eleven definitely is kind of on the dark side trip right now, where she's like, oh, all I need to do is tap into my anger, which right now she has a lot of, which is because, you know, she ran away because she was so angry. So, she's got a lot to tap into. But we later kind of We'll probably end up seeing her kind of snap out of it a little bit towards the end of the episode. But as for right yeah. now, Callie's just on the full. Let's see how much we can stretch her powers and see how how much strength she really has. Because Eleven never used her abilities to the max. Like we've seen her progress a little bit. You know, she's flipped the van. We've seen her kill multiple people at the same time, but we've never seen her move a whole fucking train before. Like that's you know. She's fucking strong. Yeah, and she's as hell. And we also see her stamina increasing because before, every time she did something, she'd get knocked out. But Callie's kind of teaching, like, hey, if you can tap into this anger, you're not going to be wiped out every time you use your powers. You'll actually be able to keep moving and doing stuff, which is definitely a big thing for Eleven because she'll no longer have that one and done kind of move it's like i can keep doing the same move over and over and not get exhausted which mm-hmm. would definitely be important and the one scene i'm glad that they touched back onto it was uh where else trying to move the train and she's she's seeing brenner and like the, sh- the shit she went through but it really drove her real mad is when she got jealous over max mm-hmm. and i thought it was a really nice touch i'm like yeah she is still not over that and because again she's in our own little fishbowl um and it's it's definitely a driving factor of l does have feelings for mike too and she you know she sees him as well uh as someone who's very close to her i know emotionally and that that was something that is still gripping at her heart of no it hurt it hurts her it hurt her bad yep so um so then they uh so they go l recognizes one of the faces and that was the the face of the man who electroshocked her mother and it's like okay this is the one we're going after pinpoints where where he is which is about an hour outside of chicago and they go out there get some gas and they fool the clerk trying to steal some goods with their clerk then pulls out a gun and then they kill him and then from there the cops are called and hell breaks loose they're getting out of dodge yep Go out to uh, Ray Callis' house, the man who was the electroshock therapy guy, uh, and they bring back the memories of who they were um, and kind of make him. It was a very cool scene of how they did it, where Callie is, 
She goes, do you remember us? And then she makes him see, makes him see the two of them as kids again. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember us now? It's like, it was, it was kind of a very creepy, but effective move on Callie's part. And as an audience member, it's just like, it was kind of, it's almost like shining esque, like these two like little girls dressed up in like little cute outfits, just standing there holding hands. Like, do you remember us? Yeah. It it was kind of creepy, but it, it was cool. And you no, definitely see him going to panic. I'll have to, I'll have to go around this later. Um, but there's definitely something where I don't know, it was a recent show or movie I saw that kind of had to play that same dynamic of like, like the show was based around that, like them taking revenge, mm. and that's something they do bring up a lot. I, I gotta see if I can pull that one out of my brain. But like, I gotta say, Cali's ability, that thing is so crazy like just the way that they're able to this is the way she's able to manipulate and see what she wants you to see that is something that i'm i'm interested to see if that comes up later if, or if she ever comes back up uh because i don't know because honestly i don't know if she's gonna be a one-part thing in the story i'm not sure um i don't i don't think she'll be a one-part thing but we'll find out isn't yeah. like isn't like Elle told her where she was going to go later on. So, with the ability of Kaylee making the, the two images of themselves as they, as they were younger, then Kaylee Callie definitely really tries to egg on Eleven to make him suffer and really try to drag out his his suffering to. What's the what's the right word I'm looking for for this? To make up, trying, for she was trying to make her go full Sith to get revenge on what happened to her as a child. But wasn't isn't just revenge though? It is vengeance. It's more. It's more of a more of a sadistic nature in that aspect of like, oh, I'm going to put you the same misery that that you put through me, and she she know, wants an eye for an eye, yeah, but to more I'm, extreme. But to a much more extreme, though, because they were just tortured. She's straight up killing them. Yes. And sometimes Hammurabi's code isn't always the solution on this. And honestly, Um, with Callie's powers, like, she could be much more sadistic if she wants to. She could trap them in a realm where she basically taps into their worst fears and makes them see it over and over for the rest of their life if she really wanted to. Yeah, like, I mean, how honestly, with, like how she did with Axel with the spiders and made him freak out. That was just a quick five-second thing. But if she really wanted to, she could have done this to, you know, Ray Carroll and made him see something really fucked up over and over and over and over and not even have to kill him to get the same sort of satisfaction. But she, at this point, is just so dark. She just it's like, I just want them gone. Wipe them yeah. off the board. So then Ray then begs for his life and then tells her that he has connections to Dr. Brenner. Now, Eleven is disbelieved that Brenner is alive, because did we actually ever see his death? We, it's a, what Nick would call a walking dead death, where we don't, I don't think we get a full body confirmation that he's dead, but we're led to believe he's dead. Recap me what happened again. Well, because the the, demo, the Demogorgon came in and attacked him and the soldiers. 
that's right. Well, in, we're in we're under the belief that the Demogorgon killed him, but we didn't get like the full death. Honestly. That's true. And and then you put it in the show doc, which is a very very good question: Is did Eleven really never see if Bran was alive through her powers? And it's a really good question to pose because to her or at least as the viewer, it doesn't seem like it. It seemed like she already moved on from Brenner. Like, no, he was still Papa, but she was never really hunting for revenge against him. And... Not, not even for revenge in the sense, but just to see if you, like, we see her go to see Mike every single day for an entire year. She mm -hmm. never thought to even once say, like, hey, let's see if Papa's even alive. Because she, not, yeah. we never, she never saw him, assuming... Assuming that Dr. Brenner was killed, she never saw a body because she no, came out of the upside down and she walked out of the school, but never saw him. So as far as she knows, he could have been still, he could still be alive, which is now what she's kind of coming to that realization of like, oh shit, he might still be alive, but she never checked. Yeah. And it could just be her being a kid, not thinking of those kind of things. But at the same time, it's like, he's your biggest threat. He's the one who Hopper keeps basically saying, like, we can't be stupid. We need to stay hidden because of the government, because of Dr. Brenner's going to keep hunting you down. She never thought to just even confirm, like, hey, he's not even out there looking for me. The other thing, too, now, now that you pose it, is did Hopper ever ask Eleven, too, to go hunt to see if he was alive? Because Hopper never knew this. Hopper never knew of the circumstance of Brenner, unless he was like, oh, the assumption that he's dead but we don't know if it's that that knowledge is ever shared with him we assume it is possible i don't i don't see hopper being someone who even slightly encouraged 11 to use her powers that's true but he know but because, he does know he does know she's using it though yeah he does but he but he asked her because like when we see her come out of the room the one time after she saw mike and he goes you saw him again, like almost like a like you gotta stop doing this kind of thing. He he wants her to be normal. Yeah. And he's been kind of repressing her powers that entire year, which is why we get a complete yin yang situation now where it's like she's been suppressed for so long, it's like now she finally is let loose and we have a character Callie who's like complete opposite saying, You gotta use your powers to the max. And I think that's what kind of that's what the importance of this episode was in the sense of the story arc. It's like she's finally out from under Brenner's thumb, who's trying to focus her powers in a very specific path. Then she was under Hopper, who wanted her to not use her powers, and now she's with a quote unquote sister, who's now basically saying, "You can do a lot more than what they've been telling you to do. Like, let everything out." So that's then. When Eleven was almost about to, I guess, enact her vengeance onto Ray, then she sees a photo of Ray with two daughters. And then, meanwhile, Axel comes across those two daughters, causing 911. Mm -hmm. And Eleven has some humanity to yep. have no, she has sympathy and doesn't want to kill a man who has two daughters. And Kylie is like, I want to shoot this asshole. And Eleven takes it in her, her own hands and uses the power against Kylie uh, to fling the gun away out the window. And and Kylie's pissed about that because she just she doesn't Very like. Good. 
which I'm not surprised about because of the fact that she went, she was underneath Brenner's and Hawkins Lab's thumb for so damn long mm -hmm. that she is not like anyone else controlling her, which makes sense why she's pretty much the alpha in this group. Yeah. So her well, the, the other question I have with Callie's character is we don't know how long she was there for mm -hmm. because at this point in time, Eleven was there since birth, and she is now thirteen. So she escaped when she was twelve. Yeah, they have no memory of each other whatsoever, and this is given to two kids that were living in the same room together. Mm -hmm. So they have no memory of each other. And eight even says, like, you know, in her little backstory monologue, and we see in a little bit, it's like she explains, like, when I was able to use my powers, I escaped. So I'm assuming yeah. she had to have been at least maybe six or seven, maybe a little bit older to kind of understand what was going on. But we don't know how long they were there for. We don't know how long uh, eight was there for because she was a kid when she was kidnapped based well, off of that article. Cause there's a picture of her at like, I'm guessing maybe five years old based off of the picture in the, the newspaper. Whereas Jane was there since birth, but they have no memory of each other. So it's like, how long were they actually there for? Or eight was there for? Yeah, the timeline is definitely muddled on that. Um, in Cal's defense, I'm not surprised she doesn't remember L because of the fact that when it comes to people who have trauma of what that they've been through, they the mind tries to protect the person that you know from memories yeah, they, that it, are harmful. They try, they so, try to block it out. But at the same token, though, she's not trying to block it out because she's using those memories to hunt people down and kill them. But, but the thing is, like, you could have memories that, like, other memories that are blocked down, not some memories that are still pre uh, prevalent. No, yeah. there, is, there is a line that could be drawn where, no, to, to her, that's just a time period that she doesn't want to remember. And, but, but there are still people who are seared into her brain that, like, that man is my enemy. And the yeah. other thing, too, and the, I will say this too, with her actually being kidnapped, she may have already had a concept of good and evil. Yeah. Where, no. Whereas Eleven never got those kind of social cues and norms. Like the only thing that Eleven really has is the bad man. Like there mm -hmm. was never, there was never really a proper context of, uh, how she does this oh another thing that popped up too i had i did have my phone notes and i've just been <laughs> rolling off my memory of this this uh, episode so far um did dr burner ever teach 11 how to read like we see how the, she's reading now but like i don't believe so i i don't i don't think 11 was given any sort of education by any means she was more given a gonna sound weird but almost like a physical education like she was taught how to physically do things because yeah. they want her to be able to use her powers to do stuff but um, in terms of reading writing i don't think she was giving any sort of education because i mean we see that when we first met her in season one like she she doesn't know what anything is her language is very very limited to only mm -hmm. like a few, handful of words so I, I I would say she probably never learned how to read. So, because no, because 
I'm surprised I didn't catch this earlier because she's going to the documents. Like maybe I, I we're assuming Hopper is teaching her as you no, know, they're like, oh, this is the word of the day. Yeah. But I'm I'm I am someone who does not really deal with childhood education of that age. Like how fast can someone progress from some who has zero who is literally um uh Someone who, somebody who can really connect, not read at all, to that to progression in not even one year. Yeah. So that's something I was like, because she she because she read through Hopper's files of where she actually found her mother. So yeah. that's something I was like, huh, we never really kind of covered this at all. Really, I'm assuming Hopper's one who probably well, taught her, but like still, you can actually make the argument she didn't because if you remember, she was watching the TV where the news popped up of Chicago. Um, and that's where she kind of got the, this is where I need to go. So I think it was just kind of an odd coincidence that she ran into Callie in Chicago. Because... Well, she, I want to say coincidence. They, they know where, she knows where, if she's spying on someone, I'm just using the word spy for the situation, she knows the location where they are. I think she's using images. I don't think she even read those articles. I think she was simply looking at the pictures. Because again, she's she skips over all the articles and goes straight to the one that had a picture of Callie's face and was like, "This is her." No, but she had to she had to read through, like Hopper's boxes of of stuff. Oh yes, um, she had to read that to understand what was happening. True. So, so I think she, I think now she has the ability to read. But I'm curious how deep it is, and like, did something I don't think it's ever explored. So I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, she, but at this actually, well, I'm trying to think now because even in Hopper's box, the first thing she really focuses in on is that picture of her mom with Doctor Brenner, and she goes, you know, Mama and Papa. Maybe so. I so who knows how much of it she actually read versus how much she kind of looked through and looked more for things he recognized. Mm-hmm. But maybe either, either way, I mean, either way, her education is at a bare minimum of what it should be. Whereas Callie is definitely more oddly enough is much more sophisticated and well smoked, well spoken. Yes. Compared to 11, which is, is odd too, because we don't know much about her backstory, but she gives a little more detail. You know, she, after she escaped, she had a family, but we don't hear anything about education or anything. So she definitely didn't go to school because she's living on the streets. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who, who knows how well spoken she was when she was even taken. Yeah. So we get to the, I guess, climatic scene here where they're all back at. So they escape from Ray's house. Yep. They get back to the warehouse and you know, they're all you know, fooling around. Um, Callie does freak her out with the image of Brenner and try to try to like quote unquote face her fears of Brenner. Yes. Which and which I thought was very you no know, manipulative. Mm-hmm. And then shit goes to hell where the cops show up uh to try to bring these bring them all in and then that's when we see Callie's power at full strength where 
she took all five of them and hit them in plain sight. And the only part about that scene I didn't like was we know Callie can make images of obstacles. She can make an image of anything. She just simply made them disappear. Like, what would have happened if one of those cops bumped into them? Like, why not just make an image of something large and physical that they couldn't walk through, like a fucking car or a bunch of boxes, like something else. But she just simply made them invisible and had one of the cops bumped into them, it would have been game over. Yeah. Or some, some that, that's the same. Yeah. <laughs> no, I completely get that. Um, no, I thought the same. I thought the same exact thing. Um, so then they try to book it out of there, hop, almost hop in the van. And then 11, 11 does, uh, 11 previously once before the whole Brenner incident, was it before the Brenner incident when she saw the visions of Hopper and Mike? It was right after. Right after. Um, so I think it was in her dream or something. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. It, it was maybe the nightmare that she was having. Yeah. Um, where she sees, she actually does see the radio call from Hopper, which definitely did touch her. And then she sees the Mike yelling, it's a trap of the situation with Will. So she knows that her friends are in danger. Yep. And that's when she has a turn of heart. And when they went to go try to leave, she's like, I have to go back to my feet, go back to my friends. I'm going home. Yep. And... Um, in which you mentioned to an old man in the bus at the very end. Um, and because Kali, Kali was trying to convince Eleven that her home was with her. But it was definitely Eleven, like, again, this, as you mentioned before, this was very much her trying to find herself. And the kind of transition arc for Eleven as a character finding her like again, finding herself throughout the whole episode yep um now i didn't mind the episode i think the real the real issue with this episode is the placement of it yes if this was episode six i think it would have been a lot better received than it was when it was episode seven Yes. Uh, so after after the dramatic high that we left off on, <laughs> and you're because I can imagine yes. people wait, waiting. Like if you're binging, it doesn't feel as bad because I because I've when I dip took my notes, I watched episode six and episode seven, and there was definitely a big drop off on pacing. Of yeah. the the stakes, the stakes in Hawkins didn't feel as high. No, until and, they was reminded. Oh, L has. You know hopper and mike going through danger and that's kind of why i'm very insistent on saying season two is the weakest of the show is because the pacing and the organization of the show makes absolutely no sense like season one was just a steady progression there wasn't very many lulls but it was it was all going in one clear direction here you have everything kind of focusing on will being possessed the I guess, corruption of Hawkins, if you will, in terms of the destruction underground. And you have Eleven on this kind of emotional side quest, but it's like you have the climax event of Will's story arc that impacts every character on the show because they're all there. 
And it's like you have this oh shit moment at the end of the episode. And then all of a sudden it's like we're going to take a little break and just watch what Eleven's been doing on her little vacation to Chicago about a bunch of characters that really don't play any sort of role in the show. It's just they're just new characters that you're going to see once and probably never see again with how it's left off. And it's like, why is this here? Why couldn't this been a quick little, you know, couple scenes here to show her meet Callie. Like they could have had a whole thing with Callie and a revenge plan and not had any other characters in. It could have been just a little story arc that was included in the episode to kind of say, all right, this is what's going on. But it's like, you spent an entire hour following her just for 11 to abandon them. And, Again, we'll probably never see them again because Eleven basically abandoned them at the end of the episode to go back to her original crew. But in terms of the importance, it's still important because we do see Eleven kind of kind of grow personally, but also realize like she wants to be with Hopper. She wants to be with Mike in the party. And it's like, you know, she regrets leaving, but doesn't regret leaving. But she I don't she know. felt she found her priorities and that, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely a big character level up for her yep uh actually knowing what she wants because before and like, on top of that too she gets a whole new makeover and look to go back to the hawk goth oh, I, love the, I love the goth look <laughs> the, slip back, the, the, slip back, goth look. the slip back hair was pretty sweet for her i was like all right i can dig i can dig this um i think that I don't know, because like I think it is very important, but like it's like the only thing I can think of is like maybe if you split episode six in half, where Honestly, you, you could have had this episode just take place before episode six. Yeah, well, the, because the chronologically, issue... it takes with the exception of the fact that they show Hopper and Mike in there. But that's, it, the, it that's the issue. That out. That's the that's the issue though, because though that's a very that's a very important moment for her to realize my friends are in trouble. And if you just, you don't have that moment, there is no real incentive for her to flip unless you keep that in there. And then, um, and then that, that, then that's the tease of what's happening. I think six. what, what could have been a better tie in is if they, if they showed the scene with Hopper calling to her on the radio after he goes to the car, because if they put that in the episode and had it take place prior to six, we know Hopper's, it doesn't spoil anything about what's mm-hmm. happening at Hawkins. And she just had this whole realization of like, I miss my actual family. I want to go back to them. And now she can see her, you know, her father figure reaching out and apologizing, kind of saying, Hey, I miss you. Come back. That could have drawn her back and not spoiled anything for what was going on. Because then episode six would have happened and we would have seen that scene of like oh it takes place at the exact same time this makes sense yeah i think that would have been a much better flow mm-hmm. yeah but, probably yeah That'd but probably... again we don't get paid to do this so this is nope. our opinions and whoever, whoever wrote this episode and directed it are now longer not writing for the show so mm-hmm. so i guess consequences have been made for that yes um <laughs> anything else I, again no not really again not a really dramatic ending to this one so no it, it was just that little cliche moment of some random person on the bus saying like oh where are you going and she's like i'm going home and it's like yeah no shit like where else would you be going 
it, it was kind of like we already knew that's where she was going. We didn't really need that scene at all in the episode. But again, that's just me nitpicking. No, yeah, I can. Def- that scene definitely is not. Much it could have been a much shorter episode than what it was. Yeah, there's some things. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like, again, if it was earlier, then yeah, I probably would have gave it a. I think it would have been better. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, in a way, I kind of wish if you told me to watch episode seven before six. Well, that that's not how we do things, Connor. I under, I understand. <laughs> I understand that because we because for the listeners at home, we I watched six and seven today. Um, we did we did the episodes back and back. So we had a wonderful guest uh, Zach Wiley on earlier. Um, I kind of wish you told me to watch seven before six because I kind of I I because it would have been a nice little game to play. Like my reaction versus, or or even have Nick watch. Oh, it's like what's six. going on. Kind so of I because to it wouldn't have uh, in, in reality it probably wouldn't have been as much of a consequence to me of the plot because nothing no, again nothing nothing in that episode really gets spoiled in six. Yeah, that's true. so. It's, it'd be kind of interesting to, to play that. So if we ever find a, a, another guinea pig, we can definitely try try that out on season two. I I will definitely look forward to see if I can find one that we can play around with. But I I think that's the only probably is the only circumstance ever in the show. Probably, is. but I'll, I'll look anyway. We'll see. We'll find. It. Um. All right. So scores. Um. I have a feeling I'm, you're gonna be the highest. I won't <laughs> give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven flat. Okay. It's it's fine. I liked it. It was good, but it wasn't great. Like, to be fair, that is the lowest score I ever give an episode. But like, yeah, like nothing to write home about. But it's still fine. Um, yours. I'm gonna give it a. I think I'm just gonna give it a five flat. Five flat. Five points. Five flat. Because it. Again, it, it does have its importance for Eleven's character arc, which obviously she's the main one of the main characters of the show, so it's important. And we see more of the you know the Hawkins impact on Eleven's past, and we get an introduction to Eight, and it makes you ask a little bit more of like who else is out there kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that was definitely the vibe of what they were trying to do. Is like, hey, like, there's other characters we could try and introduce and be really cool. And it just kind of fell flat on its plate, on its face. So I, I saw what they were trying to do. It just it didn't pan out. I think the way they wanted it to, but it had potential. But for at least for Eleven's story arc, it was important. But overall, I just, I just didn't care for the episode. I, I usually skip it when I rewatch the show. <laughs> hey, sometimes you have episodes like that. Yep. Um, what was Nick's? Nick's was a five point six. Five point six. Oof. Man, I really am bringing the average up on that one. Dude, to be fair, this is the lowest I rated an episode was a seven. So, but the other highest was seven point three was episode two of the season, which also was a drag. And so. So Nick's Nick's comments just to put out that he said he did not like it, 
episode six was a nice build up and this episode ruined it for him. Uh, there was too much 11 in one episode for him and it felt very boring. And he also said it's nice. 11 wants to go back to save her friends, but at this point it seems everyone has moved on. Is it actually better? <laughs> so, so I, I, think, I think Nick is trying to articulate is uh, Hawkins better without in uh, 11 in its life. Uh, well, I would think opposite of that, but like, I see his point though, because all everything's been happening. No one's been missing 11 or saying, Oh, we need 11 here other than Mike. Mm -hmm. So I do see Nick's point there, but obviously with the fight to come, we know we need 11. No, it's, (laughs) I, I I would, I would say Hopper, Hopper too. Yes, I think I think Hopper in eleven is a significant thing for her. I know we always saw the scene, but like I don't know. Like this episode makes me feel weird now. I now, now I'm trying to think. Like now I'm definitely doubting myself a little bit. I'm sticking my score with seven. I'm staying with it. <laughs> and hey, you're allowed to like the shitty stuff. It's okay. And hey, I don't know. I I thought. I'm not sure. Like, I th- I thought it was decent. You know, I'm not trying to have your your opinions to cloud my 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 thoughts, but like, I thought it was a fine episode. It was from from our production of episode two. That was a lot of nothing burger, and and let's be real, Nick rated this episode more higher than episode two. Yeah. So that's kind of and I I rated this episode worse than episode two overall. So. That says a lot. Yeah. Um. So predictions for Mitchell. Uh, ugh, uh, I don't know where to go with this one. Uh, I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go a. I don't know how he's gonna feel about this one. I know he hates it <laughs> as much. He hates it much more than I do. So he behind the curtain. Uh, he thought this episode will be half an hour long. Uh, as in the podcast that is, um, I would have liked it to have been a half hour long, but you and I talked about it much more than I thought we would. So that's okay. It's still, it worked out. I know, but like, <laughs> I like you mean you have to dig into things, especially. I mean, e- hell, even my show notes, like I usually have three or four pages. This was like a page and a half. But things like a lot of there's a lot of things that are ha- like you mentioned before. Like this this episode brings a lot of intrigue of other things that could be happening. Yes, and. No, again, they could have done it better, but I thought, again, I thought it was good. So, um, I'm going to say Mitchell gives it a f- uh, 4.23. Okay. I, I'm thinking he's, I'm going to give a super low just because I feel like Mitchell just trashed it, but I, I'm going to say a three point. Seven, one. And I feel like he, I think he threw this one in the mud because he's very vocal. But we were both very vocal. But I know he sticks to his guns. I still give it. I can defend this episode and see its purpose. But Mitchell hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Izzo gave it what? Izzo gave it a six point zero four. Wow, he thought he went that high. Yeah, surprisingly. 
And email one to you, so drum roll, please. Mitchell's rating for this episode was... Ooh, a 4.12. Wow, I just went just over. So you were closest. So you were cl- you were closest Price is Right rules. I was closest to the pin. Well, we're playing Price is Right, Price is right so rules. So win, so. motherfucker. Nice. <laughs> so, so, so say was it 4.12? Yep. So the average for that is a 5.43 total. Yeah, Which... definitely the uh, low point of the show. Hey, even even my seven, like the average didn't sink too low. Like yeah. that's that that sits nicely in between all of us. Um, he he's probably gonna give me shit for my high score, but we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, we'll find out next episode. We'll see if he actually listens to it by by then. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what this is gonna be released. God knows when right now. Probably, I don't know. Two weeks well, from now. We'll find out. Anyway, um, so next episode is what title? The Mind Flare. What? Yeah. <sighs> oh man, I that I'm not gonna ruin anything, but that did go through my want mind at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that is a big D&D character. At the, 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 um, race, I guess you could say. Yeah. I, I was waiting for you to get to that episode because it's it's not a spoiler, but the Mind Flayer is definitely my favorite episode of this season. And I know I, it'll definitely be one of your favorite. It, it's it's a very big episode. Yeah, oh, man, that... <laughs> So just by that type of title, I can go into a lot of things. Um, yeah, and like it did pop up in my head earlier. Um, uh, but now that you just said that, that makes complete sense. Huh? Well, as you can tell, audience, that I have some things rolling through my mind, and we will get into this next episode when you meet us next. Yep. So, follow us on our socials, Stranger Nerds, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And with that, we'll see you for Chapter 7 of Season 2. Have a good one.